from a derelict spaceship in orbit above something something Minneapolis. This is Evil Games Club. Do not attempt to adjust your device. We are controlling the transmission to tell Nice Games Club that they're wrong and dumb and that we know better. I'm Dylan Skirbitz and I am up to no good. I'm Adia Alderson and I do what I want. I'm Dale LaCroix and I hate everything. For this evil episode, our topics are writing for games, re-ravel, DOS games. And so, whether you're ready or not, here's how it really is. Yay! Yes, we did it. (laughs) Yay, we did it, and we're back. (laughs) We got through that intro. Uh, That was like the second attempt, right? Yeah, Yeah, that was really good. That was way better than the last time we did this, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a hard intro to say. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of consonants. It is. It's a lot of it's a lot of words. So lots of updates since last time we were here. We recorded a third episode that turned out to be complete garbage because I had lots of static in it and did not notice when it's the time of recording. Yeah. Aww. Which is which is sad. I'm sorry guys. Oh, it's all good. All good. But I'm sure we lost some really important, you know, observations on the nature of humanity and things like that. <laughs> you bet we did. <laughs> These are critical texts for the coming future. Yeah, but like we did, we did not transmit important news, which is Adia has some news. She got a new job. Yes, I do have a new job, which, as far as I can tell, involves lots of eating hamburgers. <laughs> No, Wait. that's what I eat at Buffalo Wild Wings. I, was saying, like, yeah, I feel so, like of all the things people like recognize Buffalo Wild Wings, hamburgers aren't very high on the list. Literally, you look at that place, you go, <laughs> man, look at that. Something, something, Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, I bet that their hamburgers are amazing. <laughs> really? It's because I only eat their veggie burgers. And so that's the thing that I associate them with. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, I work That's at- pretty funny. <laughs> like hamburgers. It's an odd association. It's like saying I love McDonald's for their salads. <laughs> That's so true. Okay, now you know that I have weird associations. Please tell us about our job that has nothing to do with hamburgers and barely anything to do with Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, so I work at a new job. It's a kind of uh, software consultant work. And so I had a project with Buffalo Wild Wings and then kind of they contract you out to different places. So I like it a lot. It's a lot of variety and I get to change things up all the time. So I'm liking it so far. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm also going to throw in there, and also you and Steven are not together, yeah. but you're still evil. Still evil. You're yeah. <laughs> no longer That's usually together. how it goes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're still good friends, so. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to say anything on this podcast about Widgets Hatchel, or are we going to keep... I did put it in there, because it's been... Uh, I want to be like, reckon up my life. <laughs> so, so you're just glad that it's out now so you can like not have to deal with it anymore? Um, or is well, this like middle, not ending? This is kind of middle, not ending. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it will, will ever be over. And like, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard all about Widget Satchel, but as as the significant other of like the main game developer, it kind of like gets everywhere. But now I have this excellent like thing where I used to blame everything that went wrong in my household on, on our ghost, which was usually just me leaving the cupboard doors open and then getting <laughs> smacked in the head with the cupboard door. <laughs> now I now can blame everything on Sprocket. So this morning I woke up 
and I found the ice cream in the refrigerator, that was Sprocket. <laughs> what? <laughs> that one does a slow burn, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah that, that it took does. a little while. Yeah. To You're like, of course the ice really cream's in the refrigerator. No, it should be all. in the freezer. <laughs> I was, I was like, Sprocket, I don't Sprocket. get it. That's Sprocket. where it's supposed to be, right? Nope. Sprocket hit it in the wrong thing, but I'm pretty sure like Mark was up last night and it was like, I'm going to have some ice cream and then just like put it back and now I can blame it on Sprocket and now it is neither one of our spouse's faults. It's Sprocket's fault and you're just like, oh, Sprocket, put it back. We'll see what it looks like in the morning if it's like a hard chunk of ice or if it's like, you know, still like ice cream because it wasn't on the counter. Yeah, oh, so yeah. inquiring minds want to know, like, how consistent was the ice cream at the end of the night? I don't know. I haven't looked at it. I oh, just stuck, so it, this is, this I stuck it in the right place. Catch up again we'll next see. year? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be like, so Dale, how was the ice cream? And you'll or be you, like, what are you talking or about? Or you can look it up. Maybe I'll say it on Twitter. I do now, like, have access to the Twitter account. I... I now run the Nice Games Club Twitter account after I got real angry. We we all went to a movie together. We all went to see like um the Deep Space Nine Star Trek um documentary. Oh. Yeah, and I, I made Mark take a picture with his phone and I was like, post this on the Nice Games Club Twitter. And then the next get day, nothing was posted on the Nice Games Club Twitter, and I got real mad because I was like this is where you're supposed to like do stuff like that. You went together. You always talk about Star Trek on the podcast. I can't decide if this is like you compromising your evilness by going over to the side to help the nice games club, or if this is just proof of your evilness because you actually want to be on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. I get to say all sorts of stuff on Twitter. Yeah, that's what people tend to use it for. <laughs> <laughs> I I did like... Somebody on Twitter um, said that his favorite mobile game was Gwent. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? As opposed to? Just the fact that like somebody would ever name that as their favorite mobile game. <laughs> I, like, I like Gwent. I, would, I, I didn't know. know it was a mobile game. Is there a mobile? Is there just That's like not, a standalone? So this is me like being surprised there's a mobile game? Yeah, like I'm just way out of the loop on that because oh. I knew there was Thronebreaker, which is the like Gwent spinoff, but that's a that was a full Steam game, I thought, because uh, I have friends yeah, who have played that. Yeah, I believe it. Anyway, I stopped paying attention because I just replied back to him, Gwent, and then he was like, let me tell you all about it. And I was, <laughs> he was like, did you not know about this? And I was like, I know what Gwent is. I just can't believe it's somebody's favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is kind of the well, Yeah, I mean, clearly you're the right person to go out there and just sort of, you know, interact with the Twitter masses. I feel like... You can dismiss uh, them the way they should be. <laughs> to, to dismiss that. I, I can't believe you like that. Oh, my gosh. It's a mobile game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the other thing that I put out there is that I have a, another podcast that is called Felix Dragsdale through the Marvel Universe, where I am forced to watch Marvel movies. But then we watch them all as they come out, and then um, and then I keep getting ideas from Felix about what we're going to watch next, and he's like, oh, we're going to watch all the DC movies, and then I'm like, mm, I don't know. He's like, we're going to watch all the all the 007 movies and I'm like I don't know and then he's like we're gonna watch all the Witcher Netflix series and I'm like oh maybe <laughs> maybe that so we'll see what's next for for Felix and Dale it's a really fun podcast it's like the commentary you wish that all these movies had but didn't 
So now you get it in podcast form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Play yeah. it alongside it like riff track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's basically we go through the entire movie and I just say the things that I'm thinking during it. And then we, we talk about all the men who, who take off their shirts. It's <laughs> quite a few. Yeah, it is. It usually is. Um, what else about that? Yeah, my sister-in-law started started watching it on Disney Plus now, and she's watching it all in, like, the order it would have happened chronologically. And so she keeps listening to us, um, and then she's like, I can't listen to you when the, the baby's awake because she recognizes our voices. <laughs> and then thinks I'm on the telephone. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the new. Forgot about, yeah, Disney Plus. Yeah, I suppose that's like relevant. Has it, have either of you guys seen The Mandalorian? Well, not yet. All I've seen is Baby Yoda all over my Twitter page. Which is all that matters. Like the actual <laughs> yeah. thing, not important. I, have, uh, I was not checked in until that little bugger right came Right now, on. I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Baby Yoda. Adorable. Uh-huh. It's, so adorable. It has extreme, like, powerful energy. That yes. thing, it is, it is a, like, perfect vortex of, like, nerds. And people who like cute things, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, I would, yeah. I want to die protecting it. <laughs> but really, that's the best thing about the Mandalorian. Like the rest of it, whatever. Yeah, fine. It's a Star Wars show, whatever. Blah blah. blah. You get there's plenty. Of, like they throw in all kinds of Easter eggs, but like I'm here for the Baby Yoda, and that's it. Didn't Disney try to say that the Baby Yoda image was copyrighted and try to pull it off the internet? There was that whole fiasco for what? a hot second, but I was like, Disney. I could believe Disney. it. It's this free advertising. Internet. How could you yeah, turn it down? Yeah, and this is bringing so much right. like advertising to it, you and your show. Right. It's viral, so it's way too late to stop that. I'm gonna make a baby. Yoda meme about this. <laughs> you can't stop baby Yoda. Oh, they're just so cute. Right? Oh. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, we don't have Martha here to uh, seamlessly transition us from topic to topic. Yes. <laughs> so, our first topic is writing for games. Yay! Yay! <laughs> So Yay. <laughs> I feel like this is always in vain of all my topics on Evil Games Club. So I'm uh, excited about that. It kind of huh? new in the world. Uh, we just yeah. kind of wrapped up the interactive fiction competition for this year. So, oh, yeah. Uh, if that's your jam, please go and check out the games. Uh, check out Play the Winners and all the other games you know available. There was a much higher rate of submissions this year, which was oh, yeah? very cool. Yeah. So, and but if you're sad that you missed it and you want to enter another interactive fiction competition, Spring Thing starts in the spring, so you can you know prepare and start getting ready for the Spring Things Festival next year. Okay. And then there's also a Nano Reno next year starts around. Wait, say that again. Nano Reno. So there's Nano Remo, which is uh, National Novel Writing Month, which was in November. Okay. Uh, yep. But uh, there's Nano Reno, uh, which um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the software RenPy, where you can make uh, visual novels. Basically, they have on uh, itch.io, there's a game jam to make a visual novel in a month, and that's uh, Nano Reno. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. it just sounds like a bunch of symbols, <laughs> syllables you like squished together. Yeah, it's like neighborhoods in New York. None of them really mean anything at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, so those are. Uh, but that's a that's yeah. a month long. Yeah, upcoming things in the competition space for uh, interactive fiction game writers. But what I did want to talk about, and what's been flooding my uh, Twitter space for quite a while, 
so there's been a lot of talk about Death Stranding. Uh-huh. Um, but also just in general, this new kind of take on like the adult edgy game. Uh, we've seen this with uh, Detroit. I think it's like being human. Become human, become yeah. Become human. Mm-hmm. And with some of the early press releases we're seeing with Cyberpunk 2077. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so uh, I'm a little... Uh, so media and film for the longest time, you know, creating a story and a narrative and presenting it to an audience. And over time, you know, especially with like TV series, in order to get like a more mature or whatever, like more real story, you know, things got edgier. It began pretty, you know, innocuous, you know, like The Sopranos when that came on <laughs> TV. People are like, what? What is this? I've never experienced this. Burial. Basically HBO's brand right now. Uh-huh. But I think the problem and what I'm nervous with uh, a lot of these games is the majority of them think they have this really strong narrative and edgy. And in order to do that, they think, well, what's the darkest thing I can possibly do? And then they start to create stories that kind of lose all their meaning because the only thing they're doing is how gruesome and edgy can we be with this? Mm -hmm. Not how do I tell the story that has, you know, maybe a more dystopian kind of feel to it but without uh-huh. resorting to violence against women or mm. you know unfortunate stereotypes and stuff like that and it's and I hate to say it's, it's so far from what I've seen it's not very good storytelling oh. it is fine for what we originally think video games have because normally in there narr- unless narratives the like main point yep. most video game stories are like how do I get the protagonist from A to B and make you do stuff to get from A to B yeah I mean that's yeah. essentially it yeah, and like so, like they'll have like the wildest like barely thin plot there, and yeah. you're just like, when I repeat the plot of like Halo to Mark, he's like, that is the wildest thing <laughs> I've ever heard, right? And so, and then I forget it immediately. <laughs> okay, Dylan, you are making a face. All I'm saying is, if you're gonna pick a game to discount based on its story, you could pick something that wasn't actually like a story that they took and made an attempt to tell. I'm not saying Halo is original, but Halo is like, was renowned for at the time taking the game, like the story just seriously enough yep. that it really launched a franchise. It's like it at was, that time you had, you know, you could go crazy. play Looney Tunes stuff. You could go play your like, you know, cartoonish violence and stuff, uh-huh. or you could play like, uh, you know, stuff that was based off of movies like Goldeneye and stuff like that. But yeah. a unique, like, you know, a story that was written purposefully for a was, game. There was no yes. previous stuff. And having this mythology and this lore, so yeah, you were just running through corridors and shooting things. But like they made that effort in the way they that, did like, make that effort, like Half Life did. Crazy. <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is you can do a lot worse than Halo level storytelling. I mean, yes. come on, this is the that, that I, came out what two years after Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Like <laughs> you yeah. can do a lot worse. Yeah, I just wasn't playing video games in those days. That's like that's the whole. In oh, well, my we're going to talk about that. Mm. Oh, we'll get to my topic. The whole in my experience sounds good. There's a lot of them where I will mention games, and then Mark will look at me like, "Are you kidding me?" Like I will mention Duke Nukem a lot. <laughs> Because I think of the old Duke Nukem where he had, like, extra bouncy boots. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, you got the 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 shotgun that, that gave you the little, like, um, zigzag line. And then you got the better shotgun that gave you, like, a longer zigzag line. And he's like, no. Then it became very problematic and was terrible. And I was like, mm, I remember the old platformer. 
Anyway, to, to Adia's point, though, yes. it is true that a lot of these games got away with essentially like just good enough writing. That yeah. games writing is just supposed, supposed to some, be something to sort of hang mm, the meat the, of the game yeah. on. Yes. And then it seems like, as you point out, they're running into kind of the issue that the film industry hit in the 90s, where it's like adding grit and crassness is not alone going to change like the popularity or the... Yeah like durability of your game story mm-hmm. and that you need to do better on the writing side before you just go <laughs> pumping out Batman movies, with, you know, hits on the arm. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And the problem is, is that they're positioning these games at like the epitome of storytelling within the video game space. And they want, they talk about it in these grandiose terms of like this bigger message and like the internal drama of the characters. And then you have these really blasé lines that you hear these characters say and a lot of ham-fistedness to kind of force a story into it. And when these people come up and talk critically about these games, they're like, oh, but, you know, I don't want my game to be seen that way. And I feel like it's a weird disconnect where it's like if you want your game to be in that kind of narrative, artistic, storytelling environment, you also have to then allow people to critique it in that same environment. And I feel like it's like you said, opening up the kind of curtains to realize, oh, this was a really bad storyline, but you just added rain and dark shots and shadows <laughs> and, you know, a murdered girlfriend and, like, you have a dilemma where you have to, like, blow up one thing or another. Middle Gear Solid has a horrible scene with that in it. Well, I'll get into that later. But um, uh, basically, you're like, oh, you know, this makes it good when it doesn't. So I'm curious i'm waiting to see where we start seeing games actually have more nuance and are more mature without that like i feel it's the same thing with like adult cartoons they're like oh if it's an adult cartoon just put as much profanity and crassness as you can in it that's good adult cartoons i'm like no Mm. we want cleverness and exploring deep topics with more thought than you know Mm -hmm. a five-page comic in the newspaper yeah, more BoJack Horseman than, yeah. say, more Family Guy ripoffs. That's a, that's a great example right uh-huh. there. Like, I, I've watched both. And I didn't think I was going to like BoJack Horseman because I assumed it was like all the others I've seen. I've tried mm-hmm. Family Guy. I've tried, um, what was that new one that came on Netflix with the big heads? Is it just called? Oh, I think it's called Big Head, isn't it? Oh, Big yeah. Mouth? Big, Big Mouth? Mouth? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I hated that I show. Hated that oh, I did too. It makes my that. skin crawl. And I usually love John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, so it's really disappointing because oh. it's just so bad. Anyway. Yeah, and so I didn't like that. But then I watched Project Course, and I was like, okay, it is still dark, and it is still edgy, but you know it has a commentary and what it's trying to do, and it does it very well through like the characters and how they... And it never tries to condone the behavior, like, okay, this is the right thing to do, even though it's bad. It's like, no... These are bad things to do and there are consequences for your actions. And we're going to look at this realistically. Sometimes uh-huh. people get away with really bad things and they mm-hmm. don't ever face the consequence. But how does that relate to you know, our lives going forward? Mm-hmm. I think it's – I'm waiting to see that in the video game space where we start getting more stories. Like in Red Dead Redemption, uh, the latest one, I saw – I read a review and watched a couple of the Let's Plays where they actually talked about alcoholism and like the negative effects of it within the storytelling. And instead of just glorifying it like, you know, cowboys and beer and whatever. Or just making your character wobble around yeah. and shoot vomit like they do in Sea of Thieves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're like, there was actual kind of progression in storytelling with that. And so hopefully I want to see better storytelling in games coming soon. That's been on my mind too, especially when cross mediums are happening. Like The Witcher 3 becoming a TV or yeah. The Witcher series in general becoming uh-huh. a TV series on Netflix. Like 
I want that to succeed, but like past cross mediums haven't worked. We've had Assassin's Creed. I watched it. Great action. Horrible story. Didn't do well. Oh, like, dude, I fell asleep during that movie. <laughs> like that's it. It was just like if you liked parkour, uh-huh. it was a great movie. <laughs> yeah. So I have two questions to ask, or I have one question and I have something else to, to say on this topic. The first okay. one is, have either of you guys seen the Castlevania adaptation on yes, Netflix? Yes, I have. Because you no. want to talk about adult animation that's based off of a game and nails the tone and has, I mean, it's not the best, but it does a really superb job of that in that it's not any cornier than it has to be. Like, yeah. It has to, like, yeah, at some level when you've got Alucard and Dracula, you're trapped in that level of, like, storytelling. Mm-hmm. But they absolutely did a good job in, like, keeping the tone mature and consistent throughout it without, like, making cheapening it, essentially, by, like, trying to fill it So, I'll agree with you, Elias. I have two points on that, too. I'm glad you brought that up. So, like, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought they did a really good job on, like, the villains. I liked the intrigue i'm trying not to spoil for people but the intrigue with like kind of the vampire courts and stuff like that uh-huh. uh, i liked a lot of the characterization i was a little saddened about the women they were very oh, yeah. one-dimensional like uh-huh. that that would if i had to make any critique on that that would be my one critique like you could literally do manic pixie uh evil feminist and uh Man hater, and that's that. There's your archetypes for the female mm-hmm. characters in the series. So I'm hopeful that I'm hoping that later on they'll flesh them out more. There's potential to flesh them out more, but um, besides that, though, there's a lot of you know really good bromance going on there. <laughs> <laughs> and, Loads of bromance and a lot of good stuff. But yeah, I, I that was a positive adaptation. I, I enjoyed that one. So the other thing I was going to say is that. Um, I we were talking earlier, and neither of you guys have played The Outer Worlds yet. No, no. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to try and avoid spoilers because it's a pretty story-heavy game. But uh, one of the things that I found interesting about that game is, um, so broad strokes, it's like a space sci-fi game. You're sort of a, a captain who's you know flying around on your cool ship. Um, but the idea is that the the place you're working and sort of living in is entirely owned by these mega corporations, um, and things are clearly at like a almost satirical level of like capitalist nightmare where you know. Millions of forms of triplicate, like all you know, all the classic stuff between bureaucracy and the sort of dehumanization of people in their everyday lives and stuff like that. Um, and so, one of the one of the things that I think it let, it tries to hit home is uh, is scenarios like you were saying when when there are consequences no matter what you do, and that you can get called out for doing things even if you think you're making the right decision. Uh, which is interesting and really provided like it's a very a more nuanced story, you know, typically, especially because it's it's a, uh, a Bethesda RPG. So it's very much based on you have these two factions and you have to make a choice and then your reputation goes up with one and down with yep, another. Yeah. Like, that sort of traditional stuff. But when the end of every one is, well, you know, these people are mad at you and these people aren't and there's no like in in. In Fallout, that was easy because half of them were cannibals. So it's like, whatever, I don't care what you think about me. But when everyone in it is like, you know, when the bad guys are just one tier up the hierarchy of oppression and are also like, you know, starving and essentially, you know, like every decision you make is going to cause people to have like people who really weren't doing anything that wrong besides trying to exist mm-hmm. in this hyper capitalist society, you're going to end up ruining their lives in some way or another. And after like the third or fourth big story mission that ends with like, well, you made a decision and some people are vaguely happy and some people are really <laughs> sad. Like it just starts to wear on you. Like it's, uh-huh. it's easy to have in, if you have an hour and a half to sit down and a movie set tells you 
Here's the story. There are complications. This person makes this decision. Things don't turn out that well. But after 30 hours of just being faced with, well, you know, that wasn't the perfect situation. Like, <laughs> it gets really tiring to be like, uh-huh. yes, I get it that this is a morally gray universe. I am morally gray by extension and participating in it. But like, come on, just give me one win after 30 hours. <laughs> uh- <laughs> so I think there's this interesting thing where a lot of, a lot of video games there are things that that video games do very well you know the the interactive nature of video games allows them you to tell stories that hit viscerally in a way that a movie never will like papers please yes yeah uh-huh. and at, at the same time it's incredibly hard to get the tone that some movies have you know like if you're the sort of person who enjoys watching like Lars von Trier incredibly like dark fucked up things you can hit a level of darkness in that that people are okay with because at the end of that hour and a half, you stand up and that that story is done, you know? Uh-huh. And it's a lot harder to carry that through if you're going to do the really, like, yeah, delving into the depths and stuff. Yeah. To do that consistently, hour after hour after hour, starts to weigh on you in a way where, like, you either get to, like, like a an SVU level where it's like, okay, no one cares anymore because, this like, there's so many bad things, they sort of numb you. Yeah. Or you end up with, yeah, something that's just harrowing to the point where it's you just put the controller down. And you're like, I'm done now. Mm. Yeah. Time for a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's eat Seriously. some pizza. Right. Yeah. And like, I, watch some fluff TV. <laughs> yeah. There are some good moments in Outer Worlds. Like, I got one of my uh, companions to go on a date that turned really well and turned into a Yay! beautiful romance for her oh, and yay! her friends. So it all worked out. But like, whew, that's. Few and far between. Most yeah. of the time, it's like, congratulations, you've improved soy efficiency in this one neighborhood by 30%, and this neighborhood hates your guts. Oh. But I feel that is interesting, because, like, uh, talking about, like, oppression and, like, fighting oppression, fatigue is, like, when you hear about documentaries talking mm. about fatigue is the biggest problem. How do you keep a movement, like, going as long as it can? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. while, you know, constantly fighting against the, the areas that you are. And, you know, oh, okay. Fight, there's a really good podcast. I don't, am I allowed to talk about other podcasts on a podcast? Yeah. We've already radio, talked about like three other podcasts. Yeah. yeah. So Radio Lab uh, recently came out with one. Oh, can't remember the exact title, but it's about. Um, That's okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Ali Bongo and the whole kind of uprising about the regime. And it's really, really good. If you want to talk about moral ambiguity and gray area <laughs> and like. When the good people start to use the same tactics as the people they're fighting against, but it creates a better outcome. So where is the gray area? Oh my gosh. Very good. Highly recommend mm. uh, to listen to it. And then that, see, I guess seeing that level of like interesting in like games would be really cool. Those moral dilemmas. Cause like Mass Effect, while I enjoyed it, I, <laughs> while it was fun, like, there was very few moments where I had to like actually sit and put down my controller and think. But when those did happen, I was like, this is really good. Yeah. But then, you know, there's also, you know, behind it, um, I guess, just feasibility. You know, you can't have a story branch too much or have too many decisions. So I think either the writing has to hit well with the right tones, like you said, but also create a, a within the arena that you can't have a game with a, a gajillion branches going everywhere. Uh-huh. But also, yeah, so this goes back to what, uh, I'm not sure which one of you brought up Death Stranding. We, were, we yeah. touched on briefly. Yeah. So yeah. this sort of goes back to the Death Stranding thing about how it seems to me, now I haven't played it because I don't have a PS4. I really want to play yeah, it. Yeah, it's on my two to playlist. Uh, it seems to me there's this interesting polarization uh, in the reviews that is sort of based around what you talked about, about 
a game that represents the fatigue of holding something consistently over time. Mm. And I think that's what it sounds like a lot of the frustration of that game. A lot of people don't like that the game is actively, like it feels like it's punishing you because it's trying to get you in that mindset. It's trying to like teach you through struggle of how it feels to reach the end of that, you know, yeah. of that journey mm-hmm. of that mission of making that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's interesting to see how different people respond to different levels of repetition mm-hmm. of like, yeah, of stress of fatigue in the game as they're like sort of throwing them at you in this safe zone. Mm-hmm. How much are people still will, will, willing to take on when the stakes are lower, yeah. when you can turn off a game uh, that mm-hmm. game. So I have, I have such mixed feelings about it because I've heard about it and I'm interested to play in it, but from like a couple of my friends online, when I've seen them talk about it, again, apparently the women get a very poor portrait. I'm not just talking about, oh, they're just not written well. It's like I almost stopped playing the game because of the stuff I experienced with the women characters in the game. So now I'm kind of nervous to go into it. Yeah. Like, ugh, every single time. <laughs> but no, yeah, but I feel like it, it, I'm assuming this is my just idea. I haven't played it yet. My guess is that they fell into a similar trap where they're like, how do we get people to feel this edgy or dark more mm. thing in my game? Oh, we'll do a weak character. Oh, a woman. Oh, we'll do bad things to her. Okay, people will feel visceral about that. It's the, uh-huh. oh, I, I'm going to mess up the trope. It's either the woman in the freezer trope or uh, yeah. the dead girlfriend trope. Something about it. Where the, yeah, that's the freezer trope. Not, okay. Yep. And so like. She, she's dead and in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, oh. I'm I'm just hoping we can grow as a community and create better stories. Yeah, if only yeah. we could like give a bunch of money to our tours that aren't Hideo Kojima. Like yeah, let somebody that, that who's would be not nice. kind of a misogynist make a really, really like self aggrandizing game. <laughs> oh man. Oh. I, I just still remember playing Metal Gear Solid Five and his name showing up at the beginning of every mission just made me laugh. Like it it was pure comedy at that point. And he's just gotten worse. Like every time he makes one of those games, everyone's like Wow, great job, Hideo Kojima. Here's your award. Here's your pile of money. Go make another game that's just like 40 minutes of weird exposition. Yeah, and again, that was the other thing is like the whole quiet storyline in Metal Gear Solid Five. Like that's where I, I never finished that game because I just got to the point where it's like I just I I don't need to watch this girl dance around in the rain. I feel like this wasn't relevant. This wasn't needed. And oh, and now she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> No, I just saw on Twitter a thing where they replaced the the model for that girl with some other guy. With oh, like, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. They just they just took the character and replaced it with like it was. I think it guy. was it was for Arkham City, I believe. Or the no, latest. this is for this is for the dance around in the rain. Oh, you're t- no, you're talking about the one where it's one. revolver ocelot dancing oh, in the rain. I know yes, the one that yeah. was pretty I good. Yeah. That no, the new yeah, good one is the Batman and Catwoman. They switched their 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 animations. Fantastic. So. They're both very good. Yeah. It's because I I never played either of those games, but like like, and it's funny to like watch the the Twitter responses and um because everybody's like, well, Catwoman is supposed to be sexy, and then like Batman's just standing there super solid, yeah. <laughs> like I am a block of concrete. I'm not going to either ignore like ignore you actively or acknowledge that you're like dancing around me sexy. Yeah. But that, that shows such a true lack of symmetry. Uh-huh. You have, like, if they both were kind of giving the same energy, and it didn't have to be both sexy energy, but, like, you could clearly see, see. Yep. this was a scene to show off 
Catwoman as almost a cartoonish version. Uh-huh. No one poses like that. That is not realistic. And so that's like, even if that's your thing, yeah. either it's going to like work and he's going to be like paying attention to you or he's going to actively like ignore it yeah. and like turn away and it, and walk away. It looked odd. Yeah, he but wasn't Otherwise, it her. looks ridiculous when you when you switch the the roles and the models. And I, have, I disagree. I loved like suave, confident Batman that oh, really so did it. If that he was moved really lively. the scene, I I would be okay with sexy Batman. Yeah, what's like? He's okay. He's already yeah. He's already in his own head enough that he's wandering around in a suit hitting people. Like yeah, yeah. let him put a little swagger in his walk. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it was a good way to see the difference in gaze um, watching it. Like yeah. most people were like, like you said in the comments, they were like, oh, that's Catwoman. Catwoman exudes sexiness. But there's a way to have a woman be confident with her sexuality and how to portray that. And then there's a difference in this character is made to look sexy for men. And she just so happens to be confident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, I haven't played the Metal Gear Solid ones. I was mostly like, interested in it because I was like, this is great. You can hide in a cardboard box. That's like the stealth game I'm interested in. Oh, yeah. The best part that- about that is the hiding in the cardboard box and the Fulton, which will never get old. You attach the hook to the dude and then he just gets sucked off into space. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. But other than that, like after seeing that scene, I was like, this does not look super There's, interesting. That's Do not I have even, to watch honestly, a That's whole? not even the worst stuff in that because the, the Ground scene. Zeroes thing is even worse. And I'm not even going to mention that. Don't play Ground Zeroes. It's not okay, worth cool. it. Anyway. Um, okay. Conclusion. But yeah, it's like that game is great as long as it's human Pokemon. And as soon as he tries to tell a story, it's just like, woof. <laughs> Okay, so so what I learned from this is there seems to be lots of bad writing in games right now. Yeah, there's a lot, of, but I I feel like the if you're looking for kind of storylines that you know impact, I like Transistor a lot. I thought that was a unique use of like. Well, people do have some criticisms that the main female character was mute for a, a good chunction of the game. I thought they did such a good job with the backstory and kind of telling it through her and moving forward. I enjoyed it. And then um, Heaven's Vault is a very interesting game uh, from Inkle Studios. They also have a, um, I guess you can call it a script. Is it engine? I think maybe. Basically to create your own kind of interactive fiction. I've used it before. It's not huh. so much plug and play. Uh, I mean, sort of is. Yeah, the little work you can explore for uh, amount. I'm pretty sure there's a Unity plugin for it. But anyways, Heaven Vaults, uh, I'm still playing through it. And I'm going to be very brief in the description because it's I do not want to spoil anything for it. But <laughs> basically, you're like archaeologist and you're translating a language. And as you translate, depending on the how your translations happen, the story changes. And it just oh. does it in a oh, very pretty way. And so like it's almost like you're creating the world as you're going through. <laughs> ah. The thing is like it's well done. There are some slow spots. So if you're not into slow burn games, uh-huh. I still enjoy it. It's a great game to like grab a cup of coffee, pumpkin muffin, <laughs> <laughs> sit back and you know what? I just want a game that's gorgeous to look at, really intriguing and interesting and kind of just delve in. Like it does so far an amazing job. So probably have more to say about it when I'm finished. But yeah, there, I feel like there's a lot, especially in the indie space, there's a lot of um, cool stuff coming out. So I am positive for the future, despite my many qualms. Well, yeah, if nothing else, yeah. this sort of resurgence, as you said, of the IF fiction stuff is yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, 
an indication that there are people out there who do like telling stories in video games enough that they can strip down a lot of the other stuff that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And now if we could just get them hired by AAA Studios. Right? <laughs> um, as far as writing in games, Dylan gave us a very good prompt for a narrative game. Which I don't remember. <laughs> what? So, refresh yep. <laughs> Okay. Um, in episode 157, Reravel, we invented a game off of Dylan's prompt, which was invent a narrative game in which the story is uh, revealed backwards um, instead of a choice um, influencing the next uh, event in the game. A choice will will influence how you got to that place in the game. Wow, that was pretty good. Whoever wrote that must be really smart. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure it was much better than my summary right there. No, that it. sounds pretty much... Uh, it's usually two or three sentences because Martha will just text me and be like, hey, I need a prompt for a game and I'll just type the first thing that comes into my head. So yeah, yeah you, you so guys you designed a game make, around that? You just make that <laughs> on the spot when she texts you. Yeah, you I know, just, like the day before, she's not like, hey, think of a prompt. No, because she never tells me. I know... So I'm very bad with time and I don't pay a lot of attention to things. So anything oh, that, okay. that occurs less than weekly. So like because she records every two weeks, yeah. that means that according to my brain, she never records until suddenly she's recording. So like uh-huh. I never wake up on a Saturday knowing whether she's recording or not because my brain can't do that every other week. Ah, I keep that in so my you brain. are also bad at calendar math. Yeah. So it all just comes that sort of like these when, podcasters. She, <laughs> <laughs> when she drops the bomb on me, I'm like, oh, crap, I got to. Pause destiny okay. to figure out what I'm okay. doing. Okay. <laughs> so, so one of the things that she said to me was, Dylan got real excited about this prompt and then started thinking about what kind of game what we would invent off of this prompt. So I wanted to hear about what your ideas oh, were. Oh, yeah. Actually, I did have a pretty cool idea for that because okay. I was thinking sort of about the the like point-and-click adventures and stuff, which I never played as a kid because I would was too ADD and I liked things that moved fast <laughs> jumping around. I didn't like reading. I mean, I loved reading, but I didn't like reading when I had to stop and, and answer things. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I was thinking about making a game where your, um, where your character is sort of a, like a paranormal, not paranormal, a psychic crime solver. Um, and what you do is essentially like your character is, is a person with these sort of powers, these abilities to see it back in the past. Um, and what you do is you sort of pair off with a person who runs this machine that allows you to sort of gaze into the past and find out what happened. But the trick mm-hmm. is that different, uh, you will not necessarily be seeing the same past. You will like every time you go back and look at, so in, in this example, the idea mm-hmm. would be that you're called to solve a murder of some person, you know, where it's a mysterious thing. They can't figure out how it was done and you're called in to sort of see back into the past. But what you discover is that someone is trying to rewrite the past and there's a second past being overlaid on this. So as you go, you go back, you know, each room you visit is sort of further back in time as you determine the motives and eventually the identity of the person who committed this crime. Uh But the different pasts are suggesting different things to you and you're being pushed to influence this outcome by people around you. So maybe the guy who's running the machine, your boss wants you to finger someone specifically so that he can make money off of a bribe or something like that. Uh-huh. Maybe there, there is or some get like, get done quick. Maybe there's some social consideration where there are some of these storylines where you can reveal it quote, quote, so that it leads back to someone who's in a position of power and deal with the ramifications of that. But so uh-huh. I was interested in it from that, that idea of not just seeing the story revealed backwards, but sort of getting to decide to start with with a tableau and then piece it backwards from there to uh-huh. understand how people got there. 
Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I'm not going to write it, but. That, yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> that reminds me a little bit. I'm going to butcher the name. There's a game on Steam called The Yog. It's, oh, yes. Uh, Spell that? <laughs> like Wait. Y-A-H-W-G. I will be so impressed Ooh, if I got okay. that right. I think we'll you're, I think you're pretty close. Sh- yeah. I, I own sure. that. I played it once. Yeah. Okay. So basically it's a game where uh, each person chooses different a character and they each choose um, parts of the story and what they choose will affect other person's characters. It's like an interactive fiction multiplayer. Very intriguing. Great oh. concept. Um but no, it, it sounds similar, but like a little broader with kind of your board because you start with the the premise and you're like, well, how will I pick things to get there? And depending on what other people choose, it affects the other stuff. That yeah. sounds really cool, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, but you guys did something with it. I, yeah. I want to hear what yeah. your game well, was. When, when I first heard the prompt, I was thinking about Witcher where you're like, you're forced to answer these questions about Yennefer and like why you broke up and whatnot. And I was like, I haven't read these books. I don't know. So then I just like make up answers yeah. about like what I thought, why I thought we broke up. Um, but no, we came up with something completely different, which is a card game that... um. Adia has actually played it. It's really fun. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, it also helps that you're very interested in like writing. So (laughs) my sister liked it. Yeah, that's true. Your sister liked that too. But um, it's basically used and it like leans pretty heavily on some tropes. And so it starts with um, you you get an ending card and a setting card. And the ending cards are basically like the seven or eight endings that any movie or story has. Like two people get together and they kiss. Like there's a departing, there's a reunion. Everything ends with a wedding. Four weddings. Yep, (laughs) yep. And a funeral. Yep. (laughs) Somebody dies. (laughs) So there's a death there too. (laughs) Um, A pizza party, which is just my way of saying any sort of big celebration. (laughs) So like, like the the end of the the first Star Wars movie, Episode Four, ends in a pizza party. Um, So how do you define the ending of Episode Five? I don't. Sad pizza party. (laughs) (laughs) There's a pizza for every occasion. Yeah, Yeah, like what? What happens in the end of episode five? Uh, They're all on the yeah. They're all on the run. They barely escape from the cloud city. So Luke's in the back to. Well, I mean, they're just hanging out in space. Yeah, so they they've all like gone their separate ways. So it's a departing, but it's also there's a to be continued card. Okay, so it's probably that one then. Yeah, yeah. So like. Most everything's covered. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty generic. So then, then what happens is you get three gold cards, and they are just they. They can be characters, or they can buy items. And then everybody draws a card, which is also the same characters or items. And then you tell a story with the characters or items that you have. So like, Adia, when we played, what did we end up drawing? Uh, a departure. Yeah, on the moon. Oh, oh yeah. We had this crazy moon story. About, <laughs> Moon's about haunted, some, yo. What? Moon's haunted, yo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Should I should I recap it? Oh, you want to recap it? Let's see if I can do this. Okay. <laughs> so there was a young child who went in, got, okay, there's a young child. Somehow they got into um, uh, a forest and they had like these beautiful like seahorses that they took care of. But then the evil people who were created for the moon expedition paved it over to make a moon training facility for people going to the moon. So all the seahorses <laughs> died. So, but he really cared about the seahorses. So he's like, 
oh, we need to come back. And he's petitioning, but the people were like, we don't care about them. So they beat him up. And he had a broken ankle and frostbite, mm-hmm. which were cards we drew. But yep. then the dead ghost of the seahorse came to him and was like, we need you to save us. And, you know, we're going to give you this Necromonicon to help save us for <laughs> the future. And so uh, later on, and then his father's like, you know, blah, 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 what happened? Evil father. Uh, <laughs> good trope, good trope. Yeah. So anyways, later on, um, there are other main character. Um, uh, what what is it? I think? Oh, yeah. She, she wanted to be a flute player, but she going to play one note on the flute. And so her father's like, you're never going to be a flute player. And mom's like, go to the moon. So she goes to this training facility. And uh, she was actually, you know, instrumental in like getting the training facility up and ready. And so she went to the moon and she was going to be, you know, the new. Yeah, uh, there was an election on the moon yeah, for the mayor governor of, of the, the moon. moon. <laughs> but before that happened, the person who wanted to save the seahorses went to the moon and went to the secret orange grove uh, that created the oxygen for the move where the Nemeronicon needed to be used to create and summon a seahorse with the political will to beat them in the election of the move. <laughs> Uh-huh, and caused an explosion and caused in an explosion. The, the Orange Grove oxygen, uh, uh, yeah, oxygen, what do you call it, plant? Plant, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and there's a detective who went and interviewed all these people, like, what happened? But the person who had the Narmarkhan was disguising themselves as the captain of the moon, but was really a farmer. So they went back to the original disguise, and the scene ends in a bar that has no liquor because it was sold, all beforehand and the poor woman who was just trying to win election lost to a seahorse <laughs> and she departs never to come again. And that was the story. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I probably missed a whole bunch of it, but that I, was yeah. the gist I can't it. tell if this sounds more like someone recounting a dream or telling like a D and D session. <laughs> well, clearly, yeah. yeah, you guys get some mileage out of this game. I can yeah. See. Like, yeah. And that was like pushing it to its limits. Cause yeah. like originally we were like, you know, it depends on like how many players you had. And we were pushing it with five there mm-hmm. because each player gets a card. And so yeah. like, you know, somebody got a card that said horse and they were like, this is a seahorse. And we we're like, okay, it's a seahorse. And like all those things were, were cards that people drew. So they're like, and then, and then each time something happens. So like there's five events and like the last one is, is the departure or whatever, like things, but there are different events through it. And so there, there were things like, I don't even remember what we drew that time. But oh, like, just the, like oh, the, there was a ghost sighting. I'm pretty sure because yeah, we I was, drew a ghost, flute, orange, um, frostbite, shopkeeper, captain. Um, what some other things? Wow, forest. Yeah, nem- 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 It was a book that somebody said it's a Necronomicon. Yeah, yeah. You just said yes, a book. Thank you. <laughs> somebody, yeah. somebody specified this book is a Necronomicon. <laughs> Yeah, I want want a supercut of all the ways that everyone has tried to say that word. (laughs) Just at the end. Nebuchadnezzar? (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) Yeah. And so it really ends up being driven by the fact that, like, you get all these, like, items or characters in a scene, and then you have to, then at the end of the, the round, essentially, except for the first round that comes last in the sequence of events you get an event card which tells you what happens in the scene and that somehow just makes everything like wrap up into a story and you're like oh my event is you know and it can be anything from 
I, I know I have Eureka in there where like something gets <laughs> invented, of course, to like a ghost sighting happens. So like what happened in this ghost sighting to like things like I have a card that definitely just says bees. A shot rang out. Yeah. The yeah. Classic. Yeah. That reminds me of um, for one of our D&D groups, we did ran this. I ran this small role playing game called Microcosm. I think that's what it's called. Um, I'll look it up when you can put it in the show notes. Um, but it's essentially, okay. uh, it's a sort of collaborative game that's built based around building a history. So the idea oh. is that you have sort of these different tiers of like how close you examine things, but you start out with just a, uh, like a beginning and an ending essentially for an entire history. Mm-hmm. And they're both, like you said, they're both events. So like for the one we did, the beginning was a new continent is discovered and mm-hmm. the ending was the gods abandoned the people of the world. And so you essentially then just go in and each person during their turn can sort of add to one of these events and explain something that happened or Uh like write a specific scene for it or just put in a new event in between any other two events. And so between that, you sort of start to fill out like the, you know, the wider Mm -hmm. ideas, like these sort of epochs that take place. And then people will go in and fill in little granular things. And it's really great for having this like corpus that is simultaneously broad and detailed yeah. so like when you're writing backside stories for characters you can reference you know some people will say like oh yes my event this turn is uh grumman the fifth invades the country of calradia and like that'll be a thing and people can write about that and then you could have something general you know where someone else says i've decided a volcano erupts <laughs> yeah yep um but yeah that's really interesting that's it's a the collaborative storytelling stuff is really interesting it's yeah. also i I play tested a game when I was in high school that was kind of like that where you were given cards at random and there was like a short trading thing. Uh, but then it was like the long form version of yours where you had to take your cards and then someone started a half hour timer and everyone just ran away and wrote their story and then came back and like did a little round table. So it was like oh. apples to apples, but you were voting for the, like the best story. story? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was like weird. It, and it was definitely it- like more intense it's a little less fun i would say your yeah. your version sounds a little more like an actual game but yeah yeah it, it is interesting yeah like part of my thought process and like our thought process when we were designing it was you know if if you get a card and you like you know like the only thing you have to do is add a modifier to this either an adjective or tell me what type of thing it is like your book is now a yeah, now we're going to get copyright struck, right? The Muppets are going to just come and hit us with our cease and desist. Yeah. So then you don't have to participate heavily in the rest of the storytelling unless you want to. And if one person dominates that, that can be okay depending on your group. That's D&D, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, except you don't have to embody anything unless you want to. Like, it's not not an actual, um, what is the word? An actual improv game where you have to pretend to be somebody else. So I think that like that helps people get into it. You're telling a story about other characters that you are not. Yeah, well, I guess now I have to play this game as the uh, as the seed generator for the idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious to see what it plays with a smaller group of people. Like, yeah. it was fine with five, but I'm curious. Yeah, it, with like the- it gets wild with five because you have so many different yeah. cards out there, and like at some point, I'm gonna just be like, you know, like you know, four is like a lot. And at some point, you got to, like, recommend, be like, play on teams or, like, you know, whatever. But, like, 
when Mark and I just played, like it was, you know, like it goes a lot faster because just have fewer things to incorporate. Less to keep in your head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So working out how to write rules for it, working out what cards should be there, what the right mix of, of character cards to like items and other thing cards are in it. Working out if my editor's notes, which are like kind of the wild cards, like do something different, like, you know, the, hey, now you're not in the same scene or, hey, that person is an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah. Then you fall into the danger of like the people working against each other within the narrative. Like, so I've, I've played a couple of these games. We also did for our D&D group, we did a game that's similar where you start with a map and everyone puts things on the map as their turn. Mm-hmm. And it devolved very quickly <laughs> into this guy who is like, we, you know, we drew a little map with like a river and it was supposed to be like, Oh, a nice little happy, like woodland oh. community. And then there was one guy off building his spaceship. And then there was the woman building the army of leopards that were attacking the space. Like it just <laughs> like, it ended up being this giant, like genocidal spaceship war. Oh dear. It, yeah. It just took a left turn somewhere like really yeah. early on. Yeah. And I can see like that could possibly happen with this game, but like, it's kind of more, more like, you know, that the round ends when everybody agrees what happens. So mm-hmm. I think so far you've played with groups that were amicable. Yeah. I feel like that was a huge, like I'm curious to see like a very competitive group, how they would factor uh-huh. it with this game. Yeah. So yeah, It'll, it will be interesting. We'll find out. I've like test. I've been working on like different versions of cards. Oh like, yeah, that'll like be great. Pulling in, pulling how to generate cards very quickly to in order <laughs> to like switch out cards and add make more an cards. expansion on the fly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, because like you know, like when you have five different people playing this game, you go through more than half the deck, and you're like, yeah, that's just a lot. Yeah, <laughs> or like, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher the Latin, but do you have like a card that just says Deus est machina? (laughs) (laughs) God answered. Exactly. And then everything worked out magically. (laughs) I do do not. (laughs) (laughs) Nemonomicon? I I really want you to have a card that just says (laughs) Menomonomicon. You draw a little picture of animal from uh, the puppets. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I've been spending a lot of my time, like you know, my extra time, like thinking about Actually, that. Actually, you know what you marketable. could do. So this game, especially with, with what you're talking about, trying to generate these big sets of like prompts, this would go hand in hand with um, like the sort of stuff that uh, Kate Compton does on Twitter, where she puts together yes. the generative yes. bots. Oh, I love her. So her much. like bot scripting language would be perfect for popping out uh, yeah. the like prompts for this because she has that thing you know where it allows you to choose from different banks for like each piece, and yeah. it's all really simple, all JavaScript based. Uh-huh. So you could even do something where you could have people tweet in suggestions like oh live, yeah. you know, like while it's happening, just say, "Hey, if you're at this party, you can tweet this secret mm-hmm. Twitter account." Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's called it. Tracery. Tracery, yes, yeah, that's okay, exactly it. Say, yep. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, and that's all pretty easy to set up and it's all like JavaScript. That would be cool because yeah. then people could listen in on the game and like go, ooh, I want to see how this will happen when I you know, throw this in the mix. Yeah. So Yeah, we should make a little companion app. Yeah. It. And then I'm thinking <laughs> about things like, hey, you know, like will this be useful for, you know, creative writing classes? Yeah. Just because it's that you is know. a really good use for it. I can see that. Uh-huh. Just because it sets up so many prompts that are pretty generic mm-hmm. and just to like get kids out of writer's block. Yeah. 
And then I would definitely do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like put the script in a story. (laughs) All right, everyone, we're going to write a Kingdom Hearts sequel. (laughs) (laughs) You got, you got an orange. Honestly, you probably wouldn't be able to notice. Sometimes all storylines is like, okay, six cards, prompts. Keyblade, forest, orange. Literally, though. Watermelon. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. We got a story. Yep. 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 Z- Xehanort's back. No one knows how. Yep. yep. Or how it would work for, like, actual improv groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that those are all things that are swirling around in my mind. And yeah, right I'm now, excited to see where that goes. It's a bunch of cards, and I like that because, like, I'm trying to keep the actual, like, production and like gameplay as simple as I can which is why I'm not like separating out character cards from like item cards because you could have a story with a bunch of different people in it maybe they're all stuck on the same ship or you could have a with very few watermelon and an orange stuck on the same ship or you could have a bunch of you know a bunch of cargo stuck on that same ship with (laughs) very few passengers you know whatever and then later you can make it into a spaceship instead of a sailing ship. Oh, I was already picturing a spaceship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is or, weird. When someone says ship, I think spaceship first. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, the water things. See, <laughs> I, I blame being primed by our intro. Like our intro sets us in a spaceship, spaceship kind mind. of mind. Uh-huh. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I put a lot of words in there that can be like many different things. Like the captain, I put in there because I was like, there are so many different kinds of captains. Like there are spaceship captains, there are softball captains, there's Captain Morgan. <laughs> all captains. There are people named captain. captain. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's going to be great. I was like, there are so many possibilities for this <laughs> this this card. Yeah. But that was something you were concerned about. It's like when you get a card making people realize they can be as free with that uh-huh. as they can, then just like, oh, a captain, captain of a ship. And like, that's yep. it. That's the yep, yep. And I want to be like... No, this could be your your football team captain. Yeah, so this could be your intramural softball team captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like so, I I I wrestled with the idea of like putting a lot of little prompts on the thing and be like, "Hey, what's this a captain of? Is it a softball team? Is it a ship?" Is it, you know, like a captain in the army? <laughs> well, you know, if, like, if we've learned anything from apples to apples, it's that writing like pithy sayings and dumb jokes on every card is just a good strategy. That seems it, good. It is. Uh, well, but I feel but, also- like if you do that, you also like start leading people down yeah. roads. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'll just write those all in like the directions and then like, but then it's like one person in a group who reads all the directions. This reminds me of that. Uh, the Jackbox game where a lot of people are given a prompt and then the liar is given a sort of similar prompt and yeah. then they have to defend their choice as if it was for the first prompt. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do know. I once claimed I had like, I don't remember, like two pairs of shoes or something like that. And they were like, uh, we've seen your shoe collection. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, yeah. <laughs> so how many cards do you have in the game right now? Um, I have 68 regular cards in the main deck. I have eight cards, uh, uh-huh. uh, eight different ending cards. I have, I don't remember how many different setting cards. And how many are you shooting for? Have, just like prompt, like for the prompt cards. And the then, uh, I don't know, probably twice that much. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Just so they don't come up as often. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're always going to have like, I, like until our game on like the day before Thanksgiving, idea. 
every single game I ever played had the magician card. <laughs> there was always a magician yeah, there. Magicians are awesome. They are awesome. And I put him in because I was like, he could be a close-up magic magician who just like goes around pulling coins out of people's ears. Or he could be like an actual like, I'm magic magician. You know, who knows? He could be a wizard. You know, like, whatever. But like, it's a good card to have because it go either way, just like the captain. But, yeah. you know, it, it takes people to like think of it that way. Anyway, so that's the scoop on... The game that is not at all like the one you had in your head. It's, it's perfect. Sounds like a really good way to put a game that isn't viable into practice. Like, <laughs> my game was not a game. Your game is a game. So, one of these is correct. <laughs> okay. Coming to a store near you eventually. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, somebody invented. Coming to a resource packet for your eighth grade writing class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then like we struggled with the name, so like we have Reravel right now. But like I keep getting suggestions, and like Lane Davis suggested something called I want to call it Clap Back the Snap Back, <laughs> and then like Back to the Future. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I like Reravel. I think that sounds pretty good. I like that much better than whatever you said that night. It was Snap Back Story Snap the Future Snap Snap. Class. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like a lane suggestion. <laughs> yeah, see? We all got different words in there. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, like when you said, like, was it snap back to the future or clap back to the future? I think it's like clap a, back. That sounds like this insult. When you clap back at someone. Oh, there goes gravity. Like, that's an insult. So I, was, I was expecting, like, people were going to make a story. I'm like, okay, I got to top that. What do I do now? <laughs> yeah, can we have that other version of, like, out tell the guy next to you story? Right? <laughs> yeah. And now we shall draw a new event card, which means we're switching topics. <laughs> I like that segue. That yeah, was very that, clever. We finally nailed it on the right? final transition. All right. So my topic today was uh, old game nostalgia and particularly old like PC nostalgia. Yay! Uh, which is an interesting topic for me. Uh, we brought up a lot of DOS games that were sort of written down because I think we're all within that generation where that was a thing that we could access even if we maybe didn't. Yeah. Um, I think I'm the one who's in that generation. I was about to say, I, I was like at the tail end. I feel so. Like, so, okay, yeah, I don't know how much, how, what our age difference is, but I know you're older than me. I played a ton of DOS games, but that's because I was like a deprived child because I grew up in a software household. So my dad didn't let me play games because he knew what computers were, essentially. So uh, I was forced was to like, you know, cobble things together because my dad was like, I use computers all day and they suck. So you're not allowed to play video games. No. Yeah, but wait, like, oh. Well, how old are you though? Me, I'm yeah. I'm 29. Okay, no, I'm 27. So we're we're, we're, we're so you really were at the tail end then yeah, because the I was end. so yeah I I guess I had a, a like I was held back a little because I wasn't allowed to have so like it was interesting when I first read this prompt because PC nostalgia is a very interesting thing because my PC gaming days as a child were spent angry that I had to play the crappy games when I knew people had N64s out there and I wasn't allowed to have one. So like, mm -hmm. it's interesting mm -hmm. looking back because now I'm like, oh yeah. So I, you know, I played a lot of yeah, and Commander I, Keen games and a lot and of like, other ripoffs. I think that you are the same age as me because you played the same games as me, even <laughs> though I am almost 10 years older than you. And you also have like the exact same personality as my brother. <laughs> well, so yeah. 
You are my little brother. An old soul, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, not that old. Um, so, so it always surprises me when you're like, <laughs> and like your your alternate was N64, whereas my alternate was like original Nintendo. <laughs> so yeah, I thought I would broaden it and sort of see what people had to say about what games did you play when you were a kid and more importantly, which games did you want to play? Because I feel like as a child, that was my experience, was wanting to play games far more than I ever actually got to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Does, okay. does that jive with you guys? Did you guys have that yeah, kind uh-huh. of experience? I was, it was all the tycoon games. I was <laughs> obsessed. Mall tycoon, train tycoon, roller coaster tycoon. Uh, what was that? I, there was a high school one where you built your own high school. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yes, I was. It's obsessed. like the seventeen magazine of games. Do you have right? the option to like, you know, do what Minnesota did and just hire a bunch of prison architects to design your schools? Like, do you get to choose in the designer? Like, <laughs> I want my school to be horrible and dark. Yes, this will work. No, you got grades based on how well the students did, and this is me trying to remember like ten years ago uh-huh. or twenty years, almost twenty years ago. Yeah, but um, but anyways. And uh, you built like a gym and then you could have the arts and stuff like that. And depending on your interest of your students, they would do better or worse. And then I think you had to hire like principals and like people. To, yeah. And then sometimes students would like get in trouble. And if everyone got suspended and like something was wrong with their school, like it was this whole like managing an actual school system. Oh, wow. Thing. It was really fun. Uh, but yeah, no, I played a ton of the Tycoon games. So that was my and then SimCity. Um, so a lot of like building. Which, which SimCity? Probably, what was the, I, don't, I think it was, was it SimCity 3 or SimCity, I think it was 3? Don't, quote don't me. look at me. Don't quote me on that. Uh, it was the one where they introduced weather effects. And like, I kept getting angry when like tornadoes and <laughs> what? Are you hurricanes sure? and like stuff would destroy my town. There's like, oh no, a weather effect. I'm like, dang, this block is perfect and I'm going to destroy it. I don't know which one that was. Because I think that was in the original one. Was it in the original one? Yeah. Oh, then whatever the first one I played, I was like, oh, this is weird. I- yeah, because there was always the possibility that, like, towards the very end, you could have, like, that tornado come through town. Oh, this was in the end. I was sometimes, like, 10 minutes in, and it was like, <laughs> earthquake! <laughs> uh, I may be uh, uh, mistaken on that, but I, I think SimCity 3 is the one I played. Yeah, if that's even a one, because like the thing is, I don't remember them. I just remember playing them. Yeah, that's the thing is, you remember clicking on an icon and being like, "Ah, yes, the fun." Yeah, I don't remember saying yes. This one, this one. Yeah, because I'm going or looking up publishers and saying, Mm -hmm. "Oh, you know, Will Wright's been okay these last couple games." (laughs) Yeah, I'm really interested. Looking up SimCity Four, and that looks fancy. Okay, hold on, I should just Wikipedia this man. Yeah, but um, but oh yeah, so those were kind of the games. Those and then educational games because I was homeschooled. So Millie's Math House and, you know, Reading Rabbit and all those type of games. I did not enjoy, but I... You took what you could get, I right? I took what I could get. <laughs> yeah, it's like I played, there was a long time ago in Captain Crunch, there was like a three-game CD that came with that. Yeah. And I think I was in high school, and so like Whoa. way too old for it, but I was like, yeah, I'm playing the crap out of this. <laughs> oh, there was a there was a 7-Up Dot game that I had. A that what? Was a 7-Up like the dot and seven up oh. and it was essentially like a weird like Othello type game. Oh, but with an animated dot. 
That's really cool. Yeah, I remember the Crunchlings okay. from the from the Captain Crunch game. You could like raise them. It was like kind of like Chow raising in Sonic. So you could like make your Crunchlings stronger and stuff. So I just remember like training the training, making them do stuff better. Okay, okay. This is what I got. Sim City three thousand was introduced in nineteen ninety nine. Sim City two thousand. Um, I was probably three thousand then when I played. Okay. Because the other one's way too early for my me. Was released in 1993. Yeah, I was one years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> Underground, which introduced underground water pipes and subways. Ooh, that's fancy. Uh, but, no, yeah, those and were... And then, then SimCity Original was in ni- uh, 1989. I don't think I played that one. That's the one I played. Hmm. But, yeah, I spent a lot of time, like, so... One of my neighbors at a garage seller sale was selling a Macintosh Plus, one of the old '80s like single uh-huh. box computers. So I brought that, bought that for thirty dollars of my pocket money, and took it home and figured out how to get floppy disks and install games on them. Or not even, yeah, it wasn't floppies; it's technically diskettes. But yeah, so <laughs> so I played a lot of. There's this game called Glider, which was written in '83, I think, for oh, the Apple II. Wow! And you played this little. Uh, paper airplane and you had to navigate through a haunted house to escape and it's like it's the kind of game where you think like oh okay this is you know like an 80s game blah 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 you know like a couple levels it'll be fun but like i played that game to the like beat it multiple times and it was an extremely long game full of nothing interesting it was just you know 100 or 150 rooms of trying to get your glider through without hitting some blocks or whatever that is a huge that's what that's the lengths i went to yeah right haunted haunted mansion haunted high school man yeah you could get some money for this just renovate a little bit you know there there was a lot of lightning indoors which was unfortunate so wow that reminds me of that what was that one game that everyone was playing uh you were like skiing and there's this little ski character and he had to like get was it ski free? Yeah, yeah. Is it the one where the like the giant rat slash abominable snowman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's ski free. Oh, I played that so much. Did you guys ever read the series of unfortunate events? Yeah, there was no. a series of unfortunate events themed skiing game that was a flash game that I played a ton of, and it was what? very dumb. But I got really, really into it. That was basically <laughs> my story: is like find a game I could play because uh-huh. yeah, we were only allowed on the computer for fifteen minutes a day, so you could do Wait, like fifteen. Yeah, so we used to At pay least I had fifteen 30. minutes of Rune RuneScape, which is another thing we did. But like in general, I spent all of my time like I went over to a friend's house and he had starcraft like when it had just come out and he bought mm-hmm. starcraft and i was like that's great and so i waited until he went to bed that night because we were having a sleepover and then i got up and i beat the campaign of starcraft like i was little so i just used cheats so i didn't have to like die or anything but i was like i need i only have one night i have to go home tomorrow and i'll never be able to play starcraft again so i beat starcraft in one <laughs> night did not sleep at all and then my like, he, my friend woke up and came out of his room and was like have you just just been sitting there all night and i was like heck yeah <laughs> yeah Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I played SimCity and Commander Keen and Aldo. Yeah, I played a lot of Aldo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a clone of the original, like Donkey Kong, where it's oh. your Mario, you jump over the barrels and get up to the top. Okay. Yeah, only all, uh. all the colors were reversed. I did not know it was Donkey Kong. No, I'd until... never heard of Mario or Donkey Kong. I just knew Aldo before either of those. <laughs> yep, yep. Until like maybe like five, six years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, something called Jill of the Jungle. Nope. Got nothing nope. on that one. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. 
you're you're a woman and then you'd like hop through jungle things and collect apples. Um, Jazz the Jackrabbit. Oh yeah, Jazz Jackrabbit was amazing. There's I played all these so alliterations with these games. Yeah, uh-huh. Jazz Jackrabbit was weird. There was a lot of like that was like an edgy kids game, honestly. Uh-huh. Like, because yeah, you were this Jackrabbit, and it was it was just like a run and gun kind of platformer. But uh-huh. the music was fantastic. But it Jazz was. was like, I I don't want to use like an incorrect term, but he was kind of methed out. Where like his eyes were big and bloodshot, and he was really into shooting things, and like he was clearly deranged yeah. in a way where it was like it was kind of like I'm trying to think of, of an analogy. It is almost that like Conqueror's Bad Fur Day oh, level of like where okay. it just it was a little like creepy for creepiness' sake because yeah. they knew the kids wouldn't get it. Um, but yeah, I really liked that mostly because the mo- uh, music was all fantastic. The and music was, was fantastic, like, music solo the and there was a thing where I didn't have to shoot things because I got this little like parrot friend that like. Sh- like uh, spit pomegranate seeds at everything yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't have to do anything. So you say you played the Keen games. Which one was your favorite Keen? Do you remember? I don't remember. So I'm going to go with the first one. I just like the sound that he like makes walking around. The first, the first trilogy was they, pretty good. I like those. They, there were platformers that were amazing where you like the store. The, the excellent story <laughs> is you're a kid who puts on your brother's football helmet and builds a uh, rocket and then lands on Mars. Yep. <laughs> Excellent premise. <laughs> the best one for me was Keen Dreams because it was the one where you're the same character and you are like, you know, this kid who, you know, fights aliens and stuff. But then he falls asleep and some aliens try to control his brain. So it's in his pajamas. He has to go through the same levels with like weird flower-based <laughs> powers and all this weird psychedelic <laughs> stuff like Fighting his way through his dreams. I thought that one was hilarious just because <laughs> it was so off the wall. Mm. I don't think I've played that one. Oh, yeah. Keen Dreams was good. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. But yeah, Keen, that, that one and the fourth one, I think, were my favorites. The fourth yeah. one was really hard because there was one point that I just got stuck at, and I still to this day don't know how you beat it because uh, there was just, it was a jump that was too long. It was kind of like uh-huh. there's that one in, in that classic, the Lion King platformer where that everyone talks about where there's this one point of the game where there's a pixel perfect jump. And it's like halfway through the game or something. And if you don't make it, that's the end. So like most kids never Are saw never the rest of the game it. because <laughs> there's just no way you can do that unless you know exactly the right way to do it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's Nintendo hard. <laughs> that's super hard because like I feel that way about some things where I like I can't do it and then I just give up. I mean, that's I the story of being a kid with the video game, right? You, well, hit, yeah. you hit the point where you stop and you go, all right, I can't do anything more. On to the next one. Yeah. But, like, that's my story as an adult, too. Because <laughs> I definitely <laughs> feel like I did that in some, like, Zelda game. And I was like, I can't get over to that other thing floating on my leaf. That's too far for me. I'm not good at this leaf thing. Well, as I'm someone out. yeah, as someone who never got to play the Zelda games growing up because I didn't have consoles, I found, like, I was in, in college. One of my friends was like, oh, you've never played Ocarina of Time? You're going to love it. Let's sit down and play it. And, yeah, the, that game is really hard to go back to. The Controls are tragic. The story is boring and extremely unskippably long. There's oh, yeah. like, th- yeah, it doesn't look good. It, do- it really just doesn't feel good. And it's like, oh. it's understanding to say, hey, this was a masterpiece at the time. But like, yeah, it's just to hard go to go back to, to that. Yeah. Well, you ever- I disagree. I went back to it last year. I still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you learned the controls at the time. That is true. Yeah, that- and there was a nostalgia it. factor for yeah. me too that I think easily factored in but like i still tear up at the end every single time everyone no one remembers the great deeds you've done everything is gone 
Well, I wouldn't know because after beating the spider in the bottom of the tree, I was like, this game can suck it. I'm going to go, you know, read a book. <laughs> Those are like formative. My sister learned how to read off of Ocarina. I made her read the subtitles. Nice. That's funny. Yeah, I just saw a fringe play about Ocarina of Time and then I was like, this is kind of wild. <laughs> Yeah, I think the story is kind of wild, but you oh, know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> that's cool. Right, there's a point where, like, you have to stop the cows getting abducted by aliens. Um, yeah, <laughs> that did I'm not. not I'm not joking. That's in the game. <laughs> that did not make it into the fringe play. Yeah, never got to that point. They probably didn't go to Lon Lon Ranch at midnight behind the, you know, where the cows stay, and you have to like shoot they so they don't. Yeah, <laughs> got to save them cows. True story. True story. Yep. <laughs> Are there any of those games that you did go back to as an adult and play? I mean, Halo is the obvious one. I, I'm not to talk more about how great Halo was, but like that <laughs> game holds up amazingly. Turn on Halo 1 right now and you'd be like, huh, it moves a little slow and it plays perfectly. Still fun, uh-huh. still visceral. Like, Yeah, I I played that the first time maybe two years ago. It's uh, so I I can vividly, that's one of the few games where because it was so like that was far enough along because that came out for Xbox in 99, 2000, I think. Um, should I look at it? You should probably look at it. I've been looking stuff up this entire time. So uh, how old are we talking about? Because I played Golden Sun in like 2001 and I loved it. Oh, Golden Sun's a good game. And, and that's I went fun. back and played it uh, recently and I'm just like, such a good game. Good game. Yeah, I think honestly, like, so Keen is one of the things. I've, I went back and played the Keen games again yeah. as an adult. And those, yeah, I mean, they held up great. They're just, they're platformers in very much like that sort of, mold i played the remastering of day of the tentacle i had fun. i mean i like point and click adventures yeah essentially so i going in i already was the target audience but i still like had a lot of fun playing it like figuring out what's up like uh-huh and even the story was fine well there i do have some qualms with it. <laughs> it some of the bits didn't age as well as others but overall yeah. i still had a wait fun is that time. the one that you guys played at our house yeah. I missed like half of the story and that's the one where like Steven got really mad at yeah. that like car wash thing. Okay. His First of soul. all, point and clicks, you have to, you know, suspend some disbelief there. They're not super logical all the time. Sometimes the puzzles take a little like, oh, this took a while to get. But for Steven, he likes things very logical. I already knew it was going to be a oh, that's, bad yeah, time right brain. away. And so he's like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I look there for this thing here to connect here? Why would he have to walk out? He doesn't need to walk out. I'm like, Steven. <laughs> you just, it's basically you're making like, what was those Goldberg machines? Well, Rube Goldberg, Goldberg, yeah. Yeah, Rube Goldberg machines, but in point and click form. The person walks here, then you collect this to go here to turn this, and then the washer comes on and you can collect the cat. Yeah, like, that's where. <laughs> uh, nope. Right, right it off. Not interested. <laughs> yeah, not patient enough right yeah, over give, there. Give me an alien to shoot. <laughs> But oh yeah, I like what was the Thimbleweed Park? I guess is the recent, the late, the last point and click game I played recently, and I love everything about it. But there, if you decide to play that game, you'll notice these weird white fuzzy things in the ground. Pick them up <laughs> every time you see one. Pick them up. Don't be like me and wait till the end and realize you have to collect fifty of these things. Oh, <laughs> and paying attention. She's like, why would this be important? But that's only my only qualm with that. But the rest of it was yeah. Really that fun. sounds like bad. Bad design. Boo. Uh, they were so tiny too. I didn't. I, it looked like lint. Yeah. I don't pick up lint. 
Well, speaking of Halo, uh, the first game in the Master Chief Collection is coming out on Steam in nine days. So anyone who's like, oh, Halo, well, I don't want to buy an original Xbox. Guess what? It's going to be on your PC, you know, slowly starting in nine days over the course of the next year. Well, by the time this comes out. Uh, But Reach is a great one to start with because it is the only one that could make you cry, maybe, if you're particularly sensitive. Okay, the first one came out in 2001. And then I have to look up Reach. Oh, Reach came out way later than that. Because Reach was based off of 3. That was a 360 game. So 3 came out in, 27, in 2007. Well, anyway, while you're looking things up, I'm going to tell my story about Halo, which is that's one of the few games that I can remember like the exact first time I ever saw it. Because oh. I was so blown away. Because it was you know one of my friends who was... Wait, had, the first Halo? or The very first. Very okay. First, yeah. mm-hmm. So, Continue. yeah, it was when the Xbox, because they, they sold it essentially packaged with the Xbox because mm-hmm. it was sort of their launch idea and obviously it worked. But um, so it was the first time I'd ever seen an Xbox and he was just playing Halo multiplayer by himself. It was a, my friend's older brother. Uh, and I walked down there. And I was like, this looks amazing. I must play this. And I, you know, thought about it. And he didn't like us because he was older and he was cool. And I was like 10 at the time. So I was <laughs> extremely uncool. But I just older walked up. people are always cool. Well, that's what they like to think. <laughs> so I walked up to him and I just calmly said, oh, oh, I see that's Halo. Yeah, I've been playing that a lot with my my cousin. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good, I think. And he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no biggie. You, yeah, you want to 1v1 me? Like, you know, just real cool, real cool. And he was like, all right, let's do this. Didn't believe me at all. Played in Gl- Blood Gulch, the most popular map at the time. Just, you know, two little forts with some hills and stuff in between. I was literally learning the controls because I was like, I just want to, the longer I can keep this con up, the longer I can keep this controller in my hand. So I'm running around in the split screen, figuring out how to load stuff. And I found this little vehicle. I was like, oh, that's cute. So I get in the little vehicle, having fun, driving around in my little hover car, blah, blah, blah. Totally ignoring him. Don't know what he's doing. He could be, you know, preparing to kill me or whatever. Um, and then I spotted him. I'm just driving around. I see him like running towards me. And he's, you know, got his sniper rifle out, went and found a good gun or something. And I was just like, hmm. Well, I still haven't learned the controls. I don't know which button is fire, but I did find the boost button. Just ran him over. And I was like, man, yeah, you just got to, you know, the vehicles are really powerful in this map. He got so mad that he literally like got up and walked away. So here I am. Perfect. Now I can just go explore this game by myself. He's mad. He won't come back. So I always remember like that was my real success <laughs> pulling one over I was pulling one over on the guys older than me so I could play some Halo. Seeing <laughs> uh, everybody has really good Halo stories. I, um, <laughs> everyone being me. No, Martha's Halo story is pretty good too. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um it's how we met actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a Halo themed wedding. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Um it came out in 2010. Halo reached it. Yeah, so right right in the middle of my college experience. Yeah. Got home from Botswana and started playing Halo again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got the Master Chief Collection um, included with like one of the Xbox packages. Mm-hmm. Now it's the first time I picked it up was with maybe my Xbox One. That would make maybe? sense. Yeah, yeah, because Master Chief Collection came out on Xbox One. But that's a great, I mean, honestly... There's no better time to play Halo than now because they've like fixed all the graphical issues and the Master Chief Collection is oh, yeah. really cheap for it's you know it's full AAA games that are a little older. Yeah, like there were five of them, and then it was included in the price of the Xbox, and then I then like they redid a bunch of graphics, and then I had no idea what anything was called, so we just ca- started calling 
those little guys that like run away. Comedy bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their actual name is almost as demeaning. So that's fair. What is their They're actual? Grunts. Grunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Comedy bad guys. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So do you turn on grunt birthday party? So like they make the yay when you blow them up. No, there's oh, not. I got to show you some things in the Master Chief collection. Oh We're going to make this a lot. Okay, yeah. So you got to turn on, I would have been your daddy, and you got to turn on Grunt Birthday Party. <laughs> grunt Birthday Party means anytime you headshot a grunt, they explode in confetti and it goes, <laughs> yay! Oh but there's also one where you, that you, there's a setting that you can turn on in the menu that just turns all of the dialogue to the ridiculous dialogue where they just constantly talk smack and say really weird, random stuff to each other. It's excellent. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Things I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking of uh, weird stuff like that, like I, my actual playing of the Halo games is very few. I think I've played three times in my life. But my friend was obsessed with Red versus Blue. Yes. So like, anytime people think of Halo, that's the first thing that pops into my mind because uh-huh. we, me and her, sat there and watched I don't know a whole ton of them. And so like, that's my like idea of Halo. So like, anytime people talk about like, oh yeah, this is stuff like. Mm. Red versus blue? <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, that's one of the things you can say about it. Like, not only was that game pretty huge, I think, for Microsoft just as a title, but yeah, it sort of, in a weird way, took... There was Machinima before before Halo, but, like, Halo codified it, and especially Red versus Blue, but, like, a lot of those, like, there was Fireteam Charlie, there was Arby and the Chief, like, they're all... For some reason, <laughs> the Halo universe managed to spawn all of this creativity in a very... In a really weird and, like, focused lane. That yeah. was like, we're going to tell episodic comedy stories using this as our, like, our studio. And it's just weird that they picked that. Because, like, you know, there's there are a million people who are like, yeah, I, I played Call of Duty. You know, people were uploading their compilations of kill streaks and stuff like that long before streaming was a thing. But, like, yeah, what was it about Halo that made them think, I can tell a story here? Right. That's what I think is interesting. Like, huh. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know how well the comedy in it holds up now so don't uh-huh. quote me on say like oh i watched this now and it wasn't but anyways but that that's a mm-hmm. you're right a vivid memory of like this i can't think of there's other stuff that you know creates like fan fiction and stuff like that but like halo i think absurdity in story yep and needler gun those are the things that <laughs> pop in my head right away oh uh, the first yeah i think the oh, first season of red versus blue holds up pretty well okay. there's some like yeah the puma the puma chupacabra thing is still legendary <laughs> like i just i can't i'll never not laugh thinking about that <laughs> they can't they get the the robot lopez and they program him <laughs> to hit griff every time it says operation dirtbag <laughs> it is just absurdity that's all it is and they're like how how best we could do it Holding up the podcast there. Tell us more about your visual gag, Dale. <laughs> oh, no. Dale's been trying to get pictures for Twitter and for the website. Uh, and I've been trying to refuse, but giving, giving her a pouty face every time she takes yeah, a picture. Yeah, it's like, it's it, like it, it wavers, wavers between like, yeah, full like angry woodchuck into duck face. And that's really, it's a work <laughs> in progress. He's very good at doing it on a moment's notice. Well, was Zoolander good. was a big hero of mine. You got to have that magnum unlock. <laughs> One of the perks that comes with being really, really, really outrageously good looking. (laughs) I I, I just did the face. Anyway, that seems like a good end note from 
the very cool older people <laughs> and the very outrageously good looking people. Yes, obviously. <laughs> That's our show. This is normally the part where those guys tell you to subscribe to nicegames.club. So go ahead and do that, but only so you can catch us next time we take over the show. They are always looking for feedback, so tell them that Evil Games Club is the best. You can do that on Twitter at Nice Games Club, but I'll be the only one who reads it, but I will be putting it in their Slack channel. But whatever. So we'll filter out if you try and say like, ooh, no more of that stuff. We'll just be like, ooh, delete. Yep. <laughs> Surveys in, Mark. 100% positive responses to Evil Games Club. But whatever you do, don't fill out their feedback form. Nicegames.club slash feedback. Don't do it. Not ever. Episode notes are at nicegames.club. So until the next time we take over the clubhouse, remember to be mean and make trouble. see lots of duck face pictures of me to back it up <laughs> oh you want all of them on twitter you got it <laughs> were you just gonna make a new twitter account like a shit post account that just re- retweets everything you nice games club tweets but with a picture of me pouting about it <laughs> <laughs>